So it, as it happens, this year, Mother's Day coincides with Ascension Sunday, the day when we remember Jesus Christ's ascension into heaven. It's a day that passes almost unnoticed for a couple of reasons. First, it actually falls on the 40th day of the Easter season, which means it comes on a Thursday. And I didn't think any of you wanted to come back and do an Ascension Day service on that day, so we're doing it today. And second, only Luke and Acts describe it in any detail. So today we're looking at Luke's version, which begins at the end. I'll wait. God, go with them. There we go. Luke's version begins at the end. I'll wait. <laughs> it's better. There we go. It begins at the end of the day of Easter, which was a very confusing day for Jesus' disciples. Having already been awakened by the women of their group with a cockamamie story about angels and an empty tomb, the disciples are astonished when Peter tells them that Jesus has appeared to him. Their confusion grows when two other disciples claim to have met a stranger while walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a stranger who revealed himself to them as Jesus when he broke bread at their supper table. So in the midst of all this confusion, suddenly disciples realize that they're not alone that there is someone else in the world, in the room, that Jesus himself stands among them. As you can imagine, they are terrified. It's a ghost, they're thinking. So frightened that they fail to hear him say, peace be with you. Honestly, I can't blame them for being frightened. First of all, they are looking at an impossibility, right? And thinking it, um, and I also wonder if it suddenly occurred to some of them that the last time they saw Jesus, they were running away, deserting and denying him to save their own skins. But Jesus does not chastise or rebuke his disciples. Instead, like a mother trying to soothe her frightened child, Jesus gently and patiently reassures them. Look at my hands and feet, he tells them. See me. And then he invites him to touch him. A ghost does not have flesh and bones like I have. And when they still hesitate, unwilling to trust the joy singing in their hearts, he asks them for some food. And he eats a piece of broiled fish right there in front of them. And only then, after all those moments, are they able to accept that Jesus is really alive, that he is really right there in the room with them. Can you imagine? Then Jesus does something else to help his confused disciples. He reminds them of all the things that he has told them and goes on to open their minds to understand the scriptures. All of Israel's scriptures, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, indeed its entire story, he tells them, are now to be read in the light of his life and of God's unfolding work of salvation, not just for Israel, but for the world. Jesus' words take me back to the call of the man Abraham that is recorded in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. 
God tells Abraham, Israel's founding father, and by extension, his wife Sarah, Israel's founding mother, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. But the promise that God gives is not just for Abraham and Sarah and their family. For God goes on, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That promise has now been fulfilled by Abraham's descendant, Jesus, who tells his disciples, thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses. Jesus isn't just conducting a Bible study here. He is preparing his disciples once again for the work that is to come, for the purpose that will guide their lives from this point on. They are to be his witnesses, continuing God's work and his by telling others about Jesus' death and resurrection and sharing all that they have heard and seen. Though they will begin in Jerusalem, ultimately they are to bear witness to all the nations. It's a pretty big order. But then Jesus gives them a promise. And see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Luke's words here are somewhat vague, but we know that Jesus is referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, that coming which we will celebrate next Sunday. Though Jesus is about to leave them, he will not leave them alone, for the Spirit is the power that will give them strength, wisdom, and courage to live out their purpose. Jesus offers his disciples a purpose and a promise, and then, just as he leaves them, he gives them one more gift. Luke says, then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. I love that this last moment between Jesus and disciples is filled with blessing. And did you notice? Jesus just doesn't leave his disciples, bless them, and then leave them. The scripture says, while blessing them, he was carried up into heaven. Even as Jesus is ascending to God, he continues to bless his disciples, which implies that his blessing is ongoing. It never stops. And did you notice what the disciples did after they came back to Jerusalem? They were in the temple blessing God. Theologian David Lose thinks that in addition to the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is giving his disciples another promise, that the Christian life is one of overflowing blessing. He writes, I mean that the Christian life is one of ongoing blessing as a verb, not merely a noun. We are called to bless each other. 
We are called to receive each other's blessings, care, benediction, comfort, help, and more. We are called to care for each other and to care, be cared for. We are called amid all of this to receive God's blessings of life, challenge, strife, hope, and more, and we are called to bless God in return. Once again, I am sent back to Genesis 12, where God tells Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. A Bible study I was in years ago labeled this passage, blessed to be a blessing. And I think that is an apt description of the disciples' experience. On this day of his ascension, Jesus blessed his disciples with his present, his teaching, and the spirit so that they in turn would be a blessing to others, even to the whole world. Blessed to be a blessing. We've been talking about blessing lately, haven't we? Right now I want, we've been talking about how we can bless others, but right now I want to think, you to think about how you have been blessed this past week. Or to put it other, another way, for what would you like to bless God today? I've been blessed by God in a number of ways this week, and I want to share two of those experiences with you. First of all, I was so very blessed to be present at the bedside, bedside of Ann Coleman as she left this world. It is always a privilege to be invited into such sacred space, and I will treasure the memory of the love that was in that room as her family and friends shared stories and prayers, laughter and tears as they watched over her. It was indeed a blessing for me and I think for everyone there. It was wonderful. The other blessing that I received was a story that my sister Marianne shared with me. A few days before, or last weekend I think, I had shared with her the invitation that I gave to you, well, I told her about it a few weeks ago, an invitation to bless three weeks people during the coming week, including one that didn't deserve it. Remember that? It was a while ago. So my sister works in parking enforcement. In other words, she's a meter maid. It's a difficult job for a couple of reasons. First of all, since she works for the city of Missoula, Montana, she is out in all kinds of weather. And second, people are just not happy when she does her job. <laughs> and sometimes they are quite angry. This was the situation when she was ticketing a car couple of days ago, the vehicle owner was furious, and he began to complain and yell and shout at her. Now, ordinarily, my sister would have simply walked away or lost her temper. We are really in need of prayers out there, so God go with you, whatever is happening. Yeah. But she didn't walk away, and she didn't lose her temper. Instead, she remembered about the suggestion to bless others, and so, as she described it, she backed up from an angry or dismissive response and just listened, even when the man's tirade began to get personal. Finally, he demanded, well, what happens if I don't pay this? To which Marianne calmly responded, nothing. 
it would go on his record, of course, but no one was going to chase after him if he didn't pay that particular parking ticket. And she doesn't know if it was what she said, if she said something else, if it was, or if it was the way she said it, but the man suddenly calmed down and said, I'm sorry for all those things I said to you. And my sister responded, it's okay, I love you. And to her surprise, the man said, I love you too. And with that, they parted ways. Now, I don't necessarily advocate that this is the best way to respond to someone who's abusing you. And it certainly wasn't easy for Mary Ann. She told me when she left, she was absolutely shaking because it was so hard to stand there and listen to this man's angry outburst. But I can't help but think that in that moment, my God, my God, my God and our God blessed my sister with the strength and the courage that enabled her in some way to bless this man with God's love. It was a God thing. And I'm so grateful for that. Thomas Traeger writes, the apostles encounter all kinds of bitterness, resistance, and persecution. In Acts, Luke pictures them in prison, on stormy seas, and assailed by angry mobs. Yet the last vision that we carry from the gospel shows him blessing the disciples as he is carried into heaven. Reading Luke's gospel and Acts together as a continuous narrative, they are written by the same author. We come to understand that the, the apostles, disciples, are able to endure severe hardships because Christ continues to offer his parting blessing upon the early church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ's blessing makes it possible to spread the gospel, to announce the wonder of all that God has done. In other words, the disciples were blessed so that they could be a blessing. So how have you been blessed this week? I have a microphone. <laughs> how have you been blessed this week? I'm curious. Let's see if I can get it to work now. Mike. <laughs> I, we are blessed to have Mike <laughs> who can fix these things. It's on. It's on? Oh, okay. It's on. It oh, should good. be good to go. You might crank it up a hair for the other voices. Yeah. Got Don that back there working on that. So, how have you been blessed this week? Anyone? Kathy. I was blessed on our 46th anniversary with a brand new car. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And that is a blessing I have no doubt you will share with others because that's who you are. Wow, happy anniversary to both of you. That's great, that's a blessing too. Anyone else? Oh, I see one here and one here. And yeah. We were blessed with a safe return after a wonderful trip. And we were also blessed to find that all of our family down to the cats and dogs I had stayed well in our absence. That's good. <laughs> that is a good thing. Yeah. Let me get to Kim and then I'll come back to you, Joanne. Oh, yes? No? Go ahead. Sorry. Yesterday when I got to work, my daughter put a, it was so sweet, a yellow vase. That was my grandma's favorite color and I always associate with her with flowers. And then she made me a banner and it said, world's greatest mom. I love Aww. it. It's so sweet. And then a wreath. 
and everything. And I was like, I'm just so touched by her, you know, just showing me that love. So I'm blessed, but I miss my mom so much today. Yeah, we all, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, a number of us have been blessed by children today. Um, I was blessed uh, because I got through my procedure on Friday and uh, I was blessed because I had my husband and my daughter with me mm -hmm. all the time and the good Lord looked over me and I'm halfway through another procedure I have to do next time. But I was very blessed to have them with me. That's good. That is a good thing. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else this morning? I'm blessed to not only get to spend today with my three amazing girls, but also with my grandma, their great-grandma, and my mom. So, Yay. I have a lot of generations here today, and that's awesome. Anyone else? One back here. Here we go. I'm blessed because I'm having a lot of friends from this church. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We're glad you're here with us today. Anyone else? We all have been blessed in some way or another, whether we share it or not. And I would encourage you to think about how that blessing, the blessing that you have received, can be passed on to others. Getting God's blessings is wonderful, but that's only half of it. The other half of sharing it with others. In whatever way that means, it might not necessarily mean standing up for someone who's yelling at you, but it might mean, who knows? It might mean doing something for someone that you'd rather not do, but you do it because you choose to and you because you love them. <laughs> 